Hello, my name is Chris Galvin, and I'm pleased to introduce episode five of the International Code of Conduct podcast series, Future Security Trends, Implications for Human Rights. Today, I'm joined by Emily Monroe, Head of Strategic Anticipation at the Geneva Center for Security Policy, also known as GCSP, to discuss anticipating the future, foresight and international security. Emily, you head up the Strategic Anticipation Cluster at GCSP. Can you tell us about the cluster and perhaps start by explaining the concept of strategic anticipation? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. And thank you so much for the invitation uh, to speak with you. So we're working at the GCSP with individuals and organizations so they can develop a, a more forward thinking approach in their work related to peace and international security. So how do we do that? Uh, well, we do that through joint projects or courses and workshops with actors in different parts of the world. We also publish analysis on different issues and we connect with different areas of expertise we have at the center to highlight emerging security issues and to examine the various interconnections at play. So strategic anticipation is a key skill for actors to have in this environment. Um, you can take whatever buzzword you wish. We hear them all almost every day, uncertain, complex, or, or turbulent, and it can help you navigate these times. Um, so what is it? It's really the, the process of looking beyond the present in order to better anticipate and plan for the future. So not prediction, um, and it's inherently connected you know, whether you're an actor in the private sector or in the government policy sphere to action, to decision-making. So otherwise, why would you invest the time? Um, and that's a, a key uh, point here. We um, at the center think about it in terms of three different overlapping aspects. The first one is this mindset of strategic anticipation that the future might be quite different um, up ahead. It's not a straight line, uh, we say in, in, in this sphere. Um, also, that it's about integrating this um, thinking in organizational context. Um, so that ownership and that context, you need to take your surrounding environment into account internally or externally. And that might mean not just foresight uh, or anticipation uh, skills, but that could mean how you communicate the results, the leadership buy-in you have within your company um, to ensure that effectiveness of what you're doing. And the last aspect is with regard to methods. So we all hear about scenarios, um, but there's other methods as well. Uh, and that, and uh, skills in those methods is important in this area as well. Well, these are indeed turbulent times. 2020 has been a year unlike any other, certainly in my lifetime. And I'd like to just kind of turn to the topic of, of COVID-19 for, for a moment. Uh, and really what COVID-19 has taught us about strategic anticipation. At the start of the crisis, it seemed like governments around the world were caught on the back foot, especially when it came to basic preparedness, such as having stockpiles of personal protective equipment. So how well prepared were we for a pandemic? And what has this preparedness taught us about the importance of using strategic foresight to be better prepared in the future? Well, yes, I think in, in all of our various uh, areas uh, and sectors, we're reflecting on what COVID means for us, and it's no different in uh, strategic anticipation, that's for sure. I mean, I think the first point to make is COVID-19 is not a black swan. Um, it was on the radar of, of many public sector actors. Uh, it was included as a, as a major risk in foresight reports uh, for many years. And there's also historical precedents. Um, so look to the past, even though we're speaking about the future here today. 
Um, so I think we're the the three uh, you know lessons uh, that we could draw from these uh, events, uh, this crisis of the past few months, are that we need to invest more in preparedness. So that means that link between anticipation and all of those activities that we do and, and policy and strategy, that link um, needs, uh, needs to be stronger. Um, that means to ensure on the one hand that foresight processes are action oriented in their design phase so that methods, when you apply them, they can translate to um, down the road recommendations for measures to be taken um, and embedding those process um, in, in your company, in your organization, into strategy, into budget cycles. You know, so so we could invest in, um, in in those different measures. So that's one that anticipation policy link. The second one I think uh, that we're drawing from COVID, at least in strategic anticipation, is that um, the future might be quite different than we anticipate. So this new thinking, this idea of shock um, that we've had with this uh, um, with this crisis. So we've uh, you know in foresight we we do talk about different. Um, different future developments that could be quite different from what we have right now. And COVID is a reminder of that. Um, so that it maybe is an opportunity to open up new thinking about how the future might unfold, um, could be quite different, good or bad. Um, so you can't prepare for everything. Uh, you, ha you have to ask yourself the question about how the world might change and then conduct analysis to ensure that you're prepared for a, a number of different eventualities. And lastly, I would say it's about the way we approach planning. Um, it's about adaptation. So developments, uh, developments are quickly moving and the planning cycle needs to adapt. Uh, planning is not something static and set and uh, companies need to learn from this crisis and be stronger for the next. So the resilience, that other buzzword. But it's also a step in strategic anticipation to go uh, a step further and to anticipate other potential crises that might be from a very different sector than the health sector. Um, and I think that's also a, a lesson we have um, from, from COVID. Now, COVID, you know, is just one of, of many challenges, uh, it seems, that the world is having to deal with, and each seems to pose a greater threat to our security than, than the last. I mean, pandemics is one, climate change is another, um, but how might we anticipate which trends are likely to present the most significant challenges to the private security sector? And, and another question is, is, does strategic anticipation tell us anything about timing? You know, when should we expect the impacts of these challenges to be felt? Well, first, um, I would say that while recognizing that there's great human suffering and the negative impact on, of COVID-19 in terms of the economic consequences and job loss and impacts on, on, on individuals, um, what we've also seen in this pandemic is how challenges have led to a number of opportunities. So new ways of meeting and working, this community spirit um, and innovative ideas for collaboration and, and creating connection. So my first uh, comment in parentheses, I would say, uh, before going to the heart of your question, Chris, is that uh, we don't want to look at everything like a challenge. Uh, this is a natural tendency in security where both you and I work and uh, where we focus on threats um, uh, for our world. But I think uh, companies can also ask themselves how might some of these developments be generated for advantage in your setting going forward. In terms of better anticipating the trends for the private security sector, I would point to first the need not to stay stuck in your region, your country, maybe even your own background. Um, we've seen how quickly COVID-19 spread around the world. So it's really a call to broaden your own perspective on where these trends may come from um, and bring it then back to your own company for interpretation and context. 
So pick up on those what we call in foresight weak signals, the sign or the hint that something is changing. So quite simply, don't be afraid in your organization to raise something. Promote that culture of sharing and listening and, and uh, not just at the top, but uh, maybe up and down in the hierarchy. The second is address the interconnections amongst the various issues we face. So look to different domains and sectors and conduct analysis that maps out those intersections and the, and the consequences. The next one I would say is that, you know, we've you see that the, the, the trend landscape is overwhelming. The, the speed, the complexity, the uncertainty about how things are going to develop kind of paralyzes us sometimes. It's just a simple fact that it's difficult for our brains to handle. So some issues are really quickly upon us um, and others are, are slowly burning. I think your question demonstrates that as well because obviously in the health sector, that's at the forefront of our minds right now and environment and, and, and climate change, these ones are, are, are looming. But there's other ones, obviously, inequalities and the risk for, for violence therein, artificial intelligence and other technological developments. Um, what is the future for cities right now and how have the developments of the past few months changed our picture of that? So I think the role that foresight can play um, a bit more um, specifically is to provide structure to your deliberations um, on this overwhelming um, trend landscape. So some of the results that you can expect may include that you identify issues for yourself that you just want to monitor and, and maybe act on only later. You might even uncover issue interactions that you hadn't ever thought about and that you'll develop some either some capacity in or make an investment in. Or you might also just identify an approach that you can implement now that you're going to be able to um, use that to prepare for multiple developments back to this um, thing that I mentioned earlier that you won't be able to prepare, prepare for every eventuality, but you might find an approach that can help you in one or two scenarios. And I think that's an important um, part, part of it. One of the things I might do now um, is, when, and one of the most powerful aspects of strategic foresight is about future stories. So narrative and stories can help us better imagine from our, this cloudy picture of today, how the future might evolve. Um, this can be expressed in words or images and we're speaking um, over a podcast. So I'm gonna maybe uh, use a few words um, just to point to a few trends that we see today and paint a picture of those. Um, so will the future for private security companies be one of strong currents? So I'm thinking of currents of, electricity and data, but maybe also transportation across oceans. And this idea of the dominance of uh, technological developments, which we talk so much about these days, uh, also in the security sphere. So this idea of spillover of cyber operations to the physical world um, more directly, or the ability to acquire the latest technology for some actors. There's uh, obviously higher costs or demands for sophistication that go up and up and up. Uh, and there might be a great advantage for some, but other ones uh, won't have that advantage. So this idea of have and have nots. And we see that quite simply in the last few months just with regard to uh, online education and access to technology, which uh, not everyone would have um, that access. The second one I would point to is people power after the strong current. So people power is something we've seen for a number of years, this idea of individual activism and an individual being able to change um, and use social media to get out a message and the idea of global civil society. So will we see even greater cohesion? Um, and can this even translate into positivity and a, a caring for our shared future around the climate, um, for example? 
Um, or will this localization as a result of COVID-19 carry on and how will that develop? And of course, there's a there's the negative or the flip side of that with the, the use of um, different technologies by malicious non-state actors, so the people power in the negative sense. And that sometimes damages how governments can influence and function. We see this also coming out of COVID-19. The third one I have is life raft. So uh, obviously this one points a bit more to environment, um, uh, the, the, the different um, changes afoot in this area. So sea level rising, flooding, but also fires and mass migration. So are we going to see empty cities and uninhabitable countries? Um, we also see other developments here, which are more positive. They're a little bit harder to find, um, but it's something also to, to think about with the explosion of vertical farming or cooperation, maybe also a humanitarian spirit. Um, you know, the question being, can we, will we see even a different approach to migration in the future? I think that's something to, to, to think about. And the last one is the more political one, what I call the, the empty table. So obviously geopolitics related. Conflict between major powers, is that possible? We see um, flare-ups in different parts of the world. Will we see enhanced regional configurations? Um, so far, this hasn't come to, to fruition, but that's something that is possible. That might be mean a, a flourishing of certain parts of the world. Um, and if there's a shift, is there a, maybe a promoting of a new way of doing things? And will that new way of doing things uh, be democratic, be more authoritarian? Um, obviously, the decline of multilateralism is receiving a lot of space in the past couple of years, uh, and the, the jury is still out. So certain international actors might prosper in this, and it might be a bit more informal or adaptable. So the question obviously is then for, for, for you, is which of these will be more dominant for private security companies? Um, they're really just quick sketches of trends, uh, but they relate to another, one another. Uh, they're not all negative, or I'm trying to also point some in some positive directions. But how will your stakeholders react in the different settings? So for, for ICOCA, obviously, what is occurring for the promotion of human rights and the rule of law in each of these? Will it be more difficult or will there be fewer difficulties? Uh, you know, obviously, also, who are the key allies and, and where are the trouble spots in each of those? And what avenues might exist then for affecting change? Those are just a few questions you could ask yourself um, about uh, those different um, those different uh, pictures that I just painted. Well, thank you for for painting those pictures. Uh, that gives us much to think about. I just want to turn to something you said earlier um, about kind of addressing interconnection uh, and the importance of connecting different domains. Because ICOCA is a multi-stakeholder initiative. It brings together private security companies and their clients uh, and who work in many different sectors with governments, civil society organizations, and others. So it's quite a diverse mix of actors at the table. And I'm wondering how can strategic anticipation be harnessed for a multi-stakeholder initiative like ours, where the strategic priorities for each stakeholder group may be quite different, and where even within one pillar, one domain, the strategic priorities for each member that make up that pillar may be quite different. And where, for example, in the corporate pillar, um, the members are essentially in competition with each other. Yeah, that's, that's quite complex, um, as, as you just painted. Um, and I, I guess what I first want to say is a bit of a disclaimer that um, 
strategic anticipation um, can't solve all your problems. You're going to have to go to different places or think of different approaches. But I, what I can do is comment on uh, where I think it could help in um, given that setting um, and that, that diversity that you have. Well, I think strategic foresight tools, they um, can surface different perspectives um, and uh, that's encouraged in a, this type of discussion. So when you talk about the future, it gives you that conceptual distance from today's issues, today's problems um, that might um, give you more freedom to talk about things which are a bit more uncomfortable. Um, and so that the more diversity in a discussion, the better. Um, and you can use foresight, the structure that we have in different methods to capture that. Um, you're also, you know, all your actors are dealing with what, uh, what can be called this complex environment. Um, all your members are operating in, in, some, um, in some way in those environments. So exchange on that can also be valuable. Not every setting that each of those actors that uh, you're working with will be the same. So that exchange will be, will be helpful because not all are on the front lines and you can learn from each other. So I think that's one. The other one is about, about the future, uh, about our idea of the future. Um, so, you know, there is an agency that we all have when it comes to come to the future, and that's related to, to vision, if you like, and a shared vision. So this is the idea that the future is not something that happens to us, but there's somehow an ability to shape, um, to some extent, the future that we want to come about, not, an, not, not to the full extent. So strategic anticipation then can be used to help you gain clarity on what the common denominators are amongst your diverse membership, maybe. So while um, what you described is some organizations in your question, Chris, um, have a, an individual path to getting to that uh, vision, um, they might, um, you know, that, that they might have a shared vision and, and understanding that shared vision, that basis, um, and, and some foresight tools can help you do that. Um, you might be able to then unpack how those different members see those paths and promote that, that transparency and, and discussion. So even that conversation um, and can be a learning experience rather than just the result. So I would say in foresight, it's not just about the result at the end, but it's also about the process. So discussing that shared vision, understanding the, the different paths that different companies or different members of your network um, have to get there um, could be a learning experience. And that can mean maybe even identifying some good practice or um, encouraging then some of those good practice and those approaches to meet those those future challenges. So I, I would point to those two, um, two, 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 uh, two uh, aspects that um, anticipation can, can help um, in, this, in that setting. Well, thank you so much for that. And I, I want to ask one last question, and that is that you bring security experts from all around the world to teach on strategic anticipation. And I'm wondering whether the folks that you bring come up again and again and again, certain issues, uh, and if so, you know, what they are, what, what are people most concerned about? Yes. Yeah, sure. I can, um, I, I can share with you um, perhaps one or two, one or two um, thoughts on that, because we do bring together actors both from around the world. So in terms of uh, the, the participants, but also different uh, experts on, on, on different topics. And at the GCSP, we focus both on the more traditional aspect of security, but also the, the human security elements, so I would say the hard and the soft aspects of security. So I think that comprehensive idea of security is, is, is important. Um, in terms of the trends and looking ahead, I would say obviously there's a large focus on technology um, and how, that can, how that's changing 
um, how, how we're thinking about security. Um, but I would say more and more we're also thinking about the environmental uh, security aspects in, in our work. This is uh, obviously taking up um, more space and, and more concern for a lot of actors about what the security implications could be um, for developments in the environment. Um, so those uh, I would point to as the, the two that are, um, are we spend uh, more, more time on. Obviously, I think the, the other thing to point to when we're speaking about trends in the future and looking ahead and issues is that it's not all about the new. We can already also look back to the the issues from our past and see how they're changing and developing and developing, you know, in novel ways. So I think that's also something uh, to, 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 to think about. And I'm thinking of issues related to maybe arms proliferation and weapons, but also related to terrorism and other issues, which have been around for, for many years. And we talk about them a lot, but they have really novel dimensions that we need to also pay attention to. So those are, those are the a few, uh, few things that I would say that we're thinking about at the GCSP. Well, Emily, you have given us a lot to think about. Thank you so much indeed for your time. Uh, we hope to put these tools and techniques to, to use at ICOCA. Uh, but for today, thanks so much. Thanks to you.